to you this morning. Go get them, Darren. Yes, sir. No, no crimes allowed, right? Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, Pastor Caleb, for this opportunity. And man, I love Sound Life Church. I love you guys. I love that uh, God is moving, as Pastor Caleb mentioned, across all of our county. Right, he's moving all over the place. Out in Eatonville, he's moving in Ording Valley. He's moving right here in Spanafreda, Tacoma Hood. You know, where he's moving, right? That's, that's what I love about the Lord is it doesn't matter about location. He moves and uh, he's just looking for people to lock arms with him and take new ground for his kingdom. And so thank you, Sound Life Church, for being that and uh, for representing him as, as we go into this holiday season. As Pastor Caleb mentioned, uh, this is my favorite time of year. I love Christmas. I've been celebrating Christmas since August um, so welcome, Merry Christmas. You're now caught up with me. Uh, we can now be on the same page. My tree's been up for over a month and uh, the holy light of thank Christ Moss is now upon all of us, right? It's a, it's a two-part you know, season and uh, holiday that it comes together and runs together. So you can take that, use that. And for those of you who need permission to set up your Christmas earlier next year, there it is. Um, there it is for you. But Christmas time is here. It's one of my favorite times of year, as I mentioned, and one of my favorite things to do at Christmas time with my, fr- with my family, with friends, with people, is watch Christmas movies. Anybody else like watching Christmas movies? Yes, come on. Not, not none of that Hallmark stuff. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my wife loves Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm not trying to call them out, but I love a good Christmas classic. You know, I love, I love those. Uh, one of my favorites, my top favorite, if you were to ask me one of my top favorite Christmas movies, it would be The Santa Claus with Tim Allen, right? I just grew up with that one, just love the story, love uh, just the, the thought, it's, it's awesome. But it's kind of crazy when you think about it, right? Guy, you know, Santa on the roof, falls off, then he puts the clothes on, like who would do that, but then rides the sleigh, like it's just a crazy story. But I, but I love it. It, it. That to me is like brings in the season. When that one goes into the DVD player, because we still, we don't, we don't watch that one on Disney Plus. That one goes, comes from the DVD, right? Um, that one's, you know, straight in there. So we watch that one. Another one of my favorites, and my kids love it as well, and you guys probably, your kids probably love it well, is Home Alone. All right, Home Alone. You know, little Kevin McAllister uh, gets left at home in the holiday season, which first of all, parenting fail, am I right? Um, gets left alone at home and uh, has to and, and stops two would-be robbers from stealing, you know, robbing their house, right? Crazy scenario, eight years old. Do you guys, you guys believe that? Every time we watch the movie, we, we look at like my two sons, 13, almost 13 and 10, and I'm like, I don't think they could do that, you know? <laughs> love my kids, love my boys, but I don't, I don't know if they're stopping the two robbers. Um, you know, keep the change, you filthy animal. You know, I love, so good, so good. Another one of my favorite Christmas movies, for those of you, the one that flies under the radar. And if you haven't watched it yet or haven't seen it in a while, it's called Jingle All the Way. Yes, right? You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Turbo Man, let's go, you know. You know, get to the chopper. You know, I just, it, it just hits. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Turbo Man hits perfectly in the holiday season, just for some reason. You can't watch it like 20 times, like the Santa Claus. You get one or two good, good watch-throughs of Turbo Man and you're good. Your holiday's complete, um, you know, uh, his son gets the Turbo Man doll, and it, it's just great. It's got Sinbad in it. It's just a good one. And then one of the ones I love watching right up to Christmas is The Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the classic one, right? The classic, you know, Dr. Seuss story. And uh, we see that, you know, in that story, you know, the Grinch is able to steal all of Christmas in one night and then put it back in some little way, right? And then his heart grows and all of that. But most of these Christmas movies, and the reason why we love them is they seem crazy, right? They seem impossible, they seem like they shouldn't happen or they shouldn't be real or they seem preposterous in the sense of, you know, home alone. But the crazy part about it as well is that the Christmas story of Jesus is many of it seems impossible, doesn't it? 
seems impossible. It doesn't seem true. It doesn't seem like it could ever happen or like how, how, how does it happen, right? And our title of this series as we move through Christmas all the way up to Christmas Eve is The Christmas Paradox. The Christmas Paradox. Where we talk about this thing and, and, the, and the definition of a paradox, and I want you to read this. You'll see it on the screens. But the definition of paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Right? That's the definition of a paradox. And so that's what we're going to be talking about as we work through this Christmas story, through some of the crazy situations that we see. Right? We're going to talk about it today right? with a woman conceiving a child as a virgin. Right? You, don't, you don't see many sermons about that, so welcome. You're here today. <laughs> right? We're going to talk about how the creator of the universe becomes creation. Right? That's, it's mind-boggling when you begin to think about it. You know, we accept it as a Christmas story, especially you know, as the church and as followers of Jesus. It's in the scripture. It's the Bible. It's God-breathed. But when you begin to look at it deeper, you're like, that's impossible. Like, how does that even work? It doesn't make sense. We're going to talk about light shining in the darkness. Right? In darkness, if there is light, there cannot be darkness. It's this paradox there. We're talking about a baby becoming a king of the world. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to share and talk about Emmanuel, God with us, that God would choose to be with you and me, to be known, to make himself known by becoming one of us. You see, all these things taken at face value seem impossible, as I mentioned. But when you look deeper, you find that these paradoxes are true and they changed the world forever. They changed everything. You see, that's why I love this season because Christmas changes everything, right? I, 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 we said Jesus, though, in all of it is the ultimate paradox, though. Jesus is that ultimate paradox. We see what he came to accomplish. Through death, he gives life, right? That's seemingly absurd. That doesn't make sense. We say he is a savior through sacrifice, not violence, not overthrowing the government, but he's a savior through sacrifice. Jesus is the ultimate paradox. One of the verses that we're gonna key in on that I think helps us see and unpack this idea, this thought, because you know, as we know, God's, you know, God's knowledge is way greater than ours. God's wisdom is great, greater than ours. His power, his strength is greater than ours. But Paul, as he reflects on Jesus, as he reflects on, on, on what God came to do and the wisdom of this world that we walk in, he says this in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28. It says, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. Right? God chose the things of the world that the world that the world would consider foolish, that the world would think would be crazy. And he uses that to shame the wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing that the world would consider important. That's what God does. Right? That's the, the wisdom of God as we're unpacking here in this series. You see, the paradoxes we're going to explore in the coming weeks show us how God's wisdom, his power, and his plan is unstoppable. Right? It's unstoppable that if we walk with him and trust him and go, go on a journey with him, it's, his plan is unstoppable. And as we look at these stories and scenarios and we investigate them further, they prove to be well-founded and true. And as I mentioned, today's paradox that we're talking about is a virgin giving birth, right? A virgin uh, conceiving a child through the Holy Spirit. And as you know, a simple biology lesson will show you that that's not normal, right? That's not normal. It's not, not, not a normal thing that happens for humanity, 
Right, kids, if you're in the room, you can ask your parents, have some conversations later. But in a stroke of the miraculous, Mary becomes pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, it's a key part of the story. It's a key part. As I mentioned, we read through this and we're like, okay, that's, that's cool. Like, I, I understand it. It's in the story. Jesus, you, you and Mary, you had, you know, the, this, this crazy thing happen. But it is a very important piece to the Christmas story. You see that, that Jesus would be a child born not under the curse of Adam because he did not come from man. He would come from God. You see, this fact is an integral part of Jesus becoming our Savior. Right? What we celebrate at Easter, what we cheer for, what we go to the cross for, Jesus could not have done that without this moment. You see, Jesus, the sinless Savior, lays his life down. And he's the only one that could do it. And so we, will you join me in a word of prayer as we jump into God's word today and unpack the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1? God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word that's alive and powerful. God, I thank you that you speak to us through it. God, that all across uh, this area, God, through the Sound Life Church families, God, you are moving, and uh, God, you're calling people to you. God, you're adding to your number daily those that are being saved, and God, we want to see it and continue to be a part of it. And so God, would you speak to us through your word this morning? Lord, we submit to it, and we are hungry for what you want to do in our lives. In your name, amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can join me in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, he gives us the gospel account. Every gospel account kind of starts with a different kind of approach to Jesus' birth, right? Mark says, no birth, Jesus is awesome, he did some miraculous things, right? That's what, that's what the gospel of Mark does. Luke, he writes the gospel of Luke and, the, and the, the story of Acts of the Apostles, which we've been talking about over the last couple of months. He approaches it with, he gathers as much information as possible, eyewitness accounts, talking to everybody so he could put together the story of Jesus so we could know him today, right? So thank you, Luke, right? Thank you, Dr. Luke, as we like to say, like for doing that. But in the first part of the story, he starts the story of, of Jesus with Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, right? She would, was, was known as a woman who was barren, never able to have a child. And it, your homework for this week and for your, this afternoon, if you want to, is to read the first part of, of Luke chapter 1, so you can get that story. But we see that through the, through the miraculous, through an angel showing up, just like with Mary in a moment, Elizabeth becomes pregnant, right? Elizabeth becomes pregnant, and that's where we pick up the story of Mary here. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. All right, the Lord is with you. Mary is, you know, doing her own thing. She's living her life. She's, you know, out in the fields, out in the trees, wherever she was, most likely alone if the, when the angel shows up here. But we see this is the, st the stage is being set for the miraculous. Right? The stage is being set for the miraculous in the most unassuming place, right? A town called Nazareth, right? To, the mo one, of the, to one of the most insignificant of people. Just a teenager named Mary. Right, Nazareth, uh, many, many archaeologists and, and evidence has showed that Nazareth was a small arch, 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 yeah, agricultural village, there you go, um, to the southwest of the Sea of Galilee. Right, a pretty insignificant place. We see that even in Jesus' ministry and in his, you know, when he's walking around with his disciples and they're like, yeah, this guy, Jesus from Nazareth. And they're like, what good comes from Nazareth, right? There was known as a backwater, nothing good comes from here, kind of like 
Ording and Edenville and Spanaway and South Pierce County and Washington. Like, like what good could come from there, right? What good could come? And I say a lot of good, right? Amen, right? A lot of good could come from these places. A lot of good could come from Tacoma. But in the unassuming place, in this small agricultural village, Mary, who was most likely a 14 to 15-year-old girl, teenager, right, who was promised to be married to a man named Joseph, receives the craziest news of her life, right? It's amazing, right? Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. That's how the angel calls her out. Mary finds herself favored by God, right? Favored by God, the lowliest of people. It's important to see and what we see, what, what God sees in her is that her godly, humble life pleased God to such an extent that he had chose her for this important task. God saw her. Man, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a word for us. God sees you. God sees you. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter. God sees you. God saw Mary. And our first thought today as we look through this and work through what God is trying to say to us today through his word is that God's favor is accessible to everyone, even the lowest of people. Right? God's favor is accessible to even the lowest of people. Right? That seems like a paradox in itself, doesn't it? Right? You think that God's favor would be on those that are the most popular, right? I mean, we thought that in high school, right? All the popular kids are so cool. Like, you know, they're hanging out. They got all the friends, whatever it is. Right, we think about maybe God's favor being on the smartest, right? Or the most affluent, those that have the most money or resources. But God's favor is accessible to everyone, even the lowest of people. You know, here's what's important to see about God's favor is that God's favor isn't earned. Mary did nothing to earn this, right? Mary did nothing besides live her life in a way that honored God, that God saw her and saw and favored her. You see, God's favor isn't earned. It, however, is given as a reward of faithfulness, right? It's given as a reward of faithfulness to God, right? That's how you achieve God's favor. It's not what you do. It's not how big your tithe is. It's not like none of that. God's favor is given by you being faithful to him, right? And Mary didn't even know it. She's just living her life. She's trying to honor the Lord of their life and God sees her. The angel says, God is with you. He favors you. God's favor isn't earned. It, however, is given as a reward of faithfulness. Let's move on and see how Mary responds. And in a way, I imagine most of us would. In verse 29, it says that confused and disturbed. Anybody else? (laughs) Right? Anybody else confused and disturbed? Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. She's like trying to process it, right? Just like immediately trying to figure it out. What is going on? You know, angel shows up, kind of moment, you know, like that's how angels show up in my dreams. Like that's, that's how they always show up. High pitched opera, they're there, shining lights, Darren's running, most likely dead, all of those things. But confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. The angel responds, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. He reiterates it. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him, the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy and he will be called the son 
of God. The baby is to be born holy. Right, the angels telling Mary that there's going to be this crazy situation is going to happen. That there is purpose behind it. There is meaning behind it. That the baby would be born holy, not stained by sin, not stained by humanity. You see, it's important to see, and as many of us know, and if you didn't know, you're not perfect. I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Right, we live in a broken world that is full of sin, and even the most seemingly innocent of babies are little sinners. It's true. You guys laugh, you snicker. You know it's true, right? I have, a, I have a little girl. I remember when she was so little. I loved her so much, but she was so selfish, right? <laughs> right? My little princess, she's a little sinner. And we know, many of you have those feelings. So just so you know, if you think your kid's perfect or the best, they're little sinners, okay? I'm gonna just let you know right now, <laughs> right? It's important for us to remember that. And it hurts our hearts, doesn't it? We're like, man, I wish, I wish my, my, in my eyes, my perfect little daughter could be perfect. But the stain and the sin of this world is has embraced her. You see, it's the curse of sin that we see in Genesis, right? In the beginning, as we go back to Adam and Eve and the first sin, we see that sin, when sin entered the world, all of humanity, all of creation was tainted. All of creation was stained. All of creation was given to the corruption of sin. But the beauty of it is that God didn't leave us in that. He set in motion a plan that we're talking about today, Jesus coming to the earth to be the one to stomp on the serpent's head. Right? From the beginning. So that's a promise we can hold on to, that God's not going to leave us alone. Even, if it, you know, even though it takes, even if it is a thousands and thousands of years, God is working out humanity's redemption throughout all of history. Hear that, friends. He's for you. He's with you. You see the curse of sin in, in Genesis. You see that in this moment, the Holy Spirit is going to work a miracle on Mary's body. And the child would be conceived by a supernatural act of God. And as a result, Jesus would be completely holy not under the sin, unstained by sin and free from spiritual corruption. Right? That's why it's an important integral part. Like I said, if we just look through it and we just go through it, we can easily just look past this moment. But this is a huge part of who Jesus is and what he came to do and what he ultimately does. Sinless, spotless lamb. That's Jesus, unstained by sin, free from spiritual corruption. He would be pure, perfect, spiritually complete, and entirely devoted to God's purposes. That's what Jesus would be. We see that in the story, right? He goes to the temple, and Joseph and Mary leave Jesus at the temple, right? They're the home alone family. <laughs> Just thought about that. That's a different part of the story. But pure, perfect, spiritually complete, and entirely devoted to God's purposes. That would be Jesus. Right? And we, as we see here, Paul, he's wrestling with this, this Adam's sin coming into the world, and he pairs it with Jesus' redemption, Jesus' perfect sacrifice, and he unpacks it in Romans. If you haven't had a chance to read Romans, it's amazing, it's awesome. But Romans 5 and 6, it deals with sin. It deals with the decay, the destruction, the corruption of sin. But he says this about when, when pairing and, and, and comparing Adam's sin versus what Jesus came to do in his redemption and his sinless life, he says this in Romans 5, 16. He says, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. Talking about Adam. He said, for Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Right, you can, as I mentioned, you can read through this, this, this parallel going, going on through all of Romans but as we see here, Mary's miraculous conception set Jesus apart from the stain of sin. 
sets Jesus apart, makes him the same but different, doesn't it? Right? Only Jesus. This would make him holy. And that's our second thought this morning is that holiness apart from God is impossible. Holiness apart from God, being in right standing with God, right? To where we you know, can be in his presence, right? Remember, as sin entered the world, God, that, that, that he could no longer be in the presence of sin. Jesus is the only one that can bridge that gap for us. Jesus is the only one, the only way we can be made whole, holy, find that peace inside of us that we're gonna talk about is through God and through Jesus. Holiness is impossible apart from God. As hard as we try, Right, I, I, I like to try hard. I like to you know, check all the boxes. I want to be the best I can be. You know, I want to do all these things. It doesn't matter how hard I try. It doesn't matter my best behavior. I will never measure up. I will never be holy. It doesn't matter if I do, do the best or wh- whatever it is. Only Jesus can, be, can make us holy. Only through him. Only through what he came to do. Only because of who he was in this in the story of Christmas, perfect, pure, spiritually complete, and entirely devoted to God and his purposes. Only Jesus can make us holy. Let's read on and see how Mary responds to this crazy news again. It says in verse 36, it says, what's more, the angel says, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. If you're an underliner, highlighter, if you do anything in your Bibles, like underline that verse, right? It sits kind of in the middle of some crazy scenario, but maybe at some point you might be flipping through your Bible and you need to hear, the, hear it again. Nothing is impossible for God, right? Nothing is impossible. As we look at this paradox, it seems impossible. It seems crazy. It seems absurd. It seems like, a, like a, something that should not happen, but nothing is impossible from God. Hear that from the angel Gabriel and hear it out of my mouth today. Nothing is impossible for God. No matter your situation, no matter your circumstances, nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded to this encouragement. Mary responds to this, uh, this reassurance from the angel. He says, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Right, she responds to the angel in a, in a miraculous way. Right, I think so. I mean, she responds, she didn't run like I would have. Um, but she responds to him, may everything you've said about me come true. And the angel left her. And so we're left to ask the question, how would we respond in this moment? How would we respond to this news? How would we react to this scenario? You see, Mary responds to the craziest news she's ever heard with trust and humility. She responds with trust and humility. She says, may everything come true. I am the Lord's servant. But here's the important thing to see as she leans into this aspect of trust and humility in this scenario is that, Jesus, uh, that Mary in this moment is ex- willingly accepting the honor of being the, the, the mom of baby God Jesus. That's awesome. It's crazy. But also she's accepting the future of cultural condemnation. Right? She's accepting the pressures that are gonna come as she walks through her village, as she approaches her families and says, hey, God did something crazy in my life. And they're not gonna understand. They're not gonna believe. Right? She's willingly accepting the looks, the whispers, and the rumors. 
because she's trusting God. She's humbly coming to God. She's accepting the potential ridicule and even harm. She's accepting that her future betrothed husband would look at her and with shame and disgust and would probably potentially, and in that culture, be the one to grab the stones and lead the mob against her. She accepts all of that. I am the Lord's servant. May what you said about me come true, angel. Maybe you have a similar story when you cross the line of faith. I know for me, as I began to follow the Jesus journey in my own life, I was in high school. I was angry, I was mad. If you know my story, you know that I was mad at God. My dad passed away at 13, right around Christmas time. And I was mad at God. So I didn't want nothing to do with him. And so I had a bad mouth, I had a bad attitude. I like to punch stuff um, and people. But I was working through those emotions working through that loss and grief. That's why this season is transformed for me. So I love Christmas. That's why I love Ceremony of Remembrance that we're doing in Ording this next Saturday. If you're going through grief, love for you to join us. But as I began the Jesus journey, as I said yes to Jesus, and he radically began to transform my life and change the hate that I had for my peers into love for, for my peers. And God said, hey, Darren, you're gonna be a youth pastor. And I'm like, that's crazy. You're weird, God. Like, why would you do that? I'm the least likely person to do that. And God set me on that journey. And as I began to walk that journey, I began to share that with my friends and begin to change my language, begin to change how I did, what I did on the weekends, begin to change how I interacted with other people and they began to push me away. Right? They began to look at me differently. They began to say things differently about me when I said, hey, I'm going to Bible college. I'm graduating this year. I'm gonna go to Bible college. They're like, no, you're not. Like, well, you're just lying to us. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, literally, here's my acceptance letter. Like, what are you talking about? but they couldn't believe that Jesus was transforming my life. But I had to trust, I had to humble myself and say, God, your plan's greater than mine, just as Mary's. And I'm standing here today in a church that I grew up in that I got saved in, right? Preaching, saying Jesus is, the Jesus way is the best way. It's the best way, it's the best way. You see, humility and trust are the best way to respond to God. Humility and trust are the best ways to respond to God. That is, that is the best way that you can approach your circumstances. You can approach your hardships. You can approach your, your high moments in life. Like, don't think you're awesome, right? Don't think you're better. As Paul says, don't think you're better than you are, right? We can approach our high moments with humility and trust, but also the lowest moments in our life with humility and trust. And trust that God is with us, that he is for us. You see, Mary responds with, I am the Lord's servant, in the face of everything that lay before her. You see, as a culture and society, we're all about self-preservation, that selfishness inside of us, that we want what we want. As Pastor Caleb said with Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the times, like, it's all about me. We have to constantly fight that, don't we? Right, we're all about image. We're all about looking good to everybody else. But as we see with Mary, she laid all of that down with trust and humility you see, Mary's a great example, and at times in different uh, religious backgrounds, we've, they've maximized on Mary too much, but it's important for us to see that Mary is an example to us. She's a great example. She's an example of purity of her body, heart, and mind, right? She had saved herself to this moment, right? And then even until after Jesus was born, right? We see that she was an example of faithfulness to God. She's an example of being willingness to obey God's spirit, Right? Mary is a great example of that. She's, a, she's an example of trusting God no matter what he asks, even if it is seemingly absurd or impossible. 
right? The paradox definition. You see, as we read on the story here, we see that God doesn't just give Mary the knowledge of what's going to happen. He gives her a sign too. He reminds her of Elizabeth. And we see that in the story in verse 39. It says, a few days later, right? She, she couldn't wait. She's like, I gotta get out. Like, craziness just happened. I gotta go talk to Elizabeth, make sure this is real. Like, go check things out. Um, do some fact checking. It's good stuff. It says, a few days later, Mary hur- hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. That's Elizabeth's husband. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. She says, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. It's important to hear and see in this story is that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit told her something. Hey, your cousin Mary's coming. I just totally, just, you know, called her to do something amazing, right? She responds, at seeing Mary, she says, you are blessed. Your child is blessed, right? Elizabeth jumps into encouragement mode and the Holy Spirit, if you're an encourager, right? I mean, like, that's, that's a good gift. We need more encouragers in our life. Like lean into the gift of encouragement. Like give those gifts out. You're blessed. Your child is blessed because you've said yes to the Lord because you believed what the Lord said he would do. Right? Isn't that amazing? Right? That Mary shows up not having said a word to Elizabeth yet about what had happened. And Elizabeth is like, my girl, you're here. The Lord is on you. Like you've, you've said yes to the greatest thing you could ever say yes to. And that is following God's will and plan for your life, Mary. Man, may we be those people that see that in others, right? Man, I'm so glad you're following the Lord of your life. I'm so glad you're choosing Jesus over the plethora of things this world tries to offer you as a counterfeit. I'm so glad you're choosing Jesus. I'm so glad you're choosing God's plan. You see, Mary, she visits Elizabeth at this interesting time, doesn't she? Right there she finds encouragement and then she investigates what the angel had said would happen and she takes this sign to her heart and you can read in in the the verses after as Mary sings her her song in the response to this. It's a beautiful thing. I encourage you to read it out loud as you do. But just as Mary was given a sign in this moment, all of humanity was given a sign 700 years ago before this moment. All of humanity was given a sign. Maybe Mary had heard these verses read at at, at the synagogue throughout throughout the week. But in 700 years before this moment, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that in Isaiah 7.14, he says, all right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. The Lord himself. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years before Mary said yes to Jesus, said yes to God, God had, was working the plan out. God was telling humanity that they weren't gonna be alone, that he was working things out. And even before that, all the way, as I mentioned, back to Genesis, God was working out the redemption of humanity from the beginning of time. Man, I love that. I love that. For generations before me and generations to come until Jesus comes back, he's working out the redemption of humanity, saving us from our sinful nature and the heart that wants to lead us to death and destruction. That's the Jesus that came on Christmas. That's the Jesus 
That's the, 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 the thing that Mary signs up for. And I'd like to invite the venue leaders to prepare and for the worship teams to prepare in our venues today. But just as Jesus would save, Jesus would save the world and free us from the chains of sin and death. That's what Jesus would come to do. And it, it's in these humble beginnings, in the insignificant life of Mary, in the backwater village of Nazareth, we find God working out his greatest rescue plan through Jesus. In the midst of this paradox, that which seemed seemingly impossible or absurd, God would complete his rescue mission for humanity. Not in the way we thought it would happen. Not through overthrowing the Roman governments, not through overthrowing Herod, the puppet king, king of the area. No, Jesus would come and save all of humanity for all of time. For us, to be sitting here in November, 2023, Jesus is doing it for us, for us. Paul, towards the end of that Romans chapter that I mentioned earlier, I encourage you to go read it. In Romans 5, 21, he says, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, that's us, it's me, it's you. Now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Death no longer rules this world because Jesus came, because Mary said yes, because God is orchestrating his plan to redeem humanity. He says, instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so what are we gonna do with this information, friends? What are we gonna do with this? What are we gonna do with the Christmas story? It can't just be presents and Santa and Christmas trees and lights, it can't be. It can't be, it was more than that for Mary. It wasn't even that, right? They didn't have lights on trees. But it was so much more, right? Our thoughts today was God's favor is accessible to everyone, even the lowest of people. God's favor is accessible to you, right? And as I know for my own self, as my self-talk can keep me away from God's favor or thinking that I deserve God's favor. Right? Maybe you have that whisper in your ear. The enemy's telling you whispers and trying to tell you differently, but maybe you need to hear this morning, God's favor is accessible to you and it's earned and rewarded through faithfulness to God. And so that can happen right now. That could be one step of faithfulness and God's favor is like, boom, I'm walking with you. Right? When you lay that down, you begin to walk that with him. You see God's favor is accessible to everyone. You can access God through Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The second thought is that holiness apart from God is impossible. You can't earn your way to heaven. If you're checking out church and you think you're a good person, so glad you're here. But the only way you could get from this world into eternity is through Jesus. It's through his holiness, his perfect sacrifice, his perfect life willingly laid down for you and me in place of us. That's Jesus. Holiness is only, uh, holiness is only, impo- only possible through God. And finally, where we're gonna leave our, enter our response time today is through this last point is humility and trust are the best ways to respond to God, right? Humility and trust are the best ways that we can respond to God. And I don't know where you're walking in here with this this morning. Maybe you had the best Thanksgiving season of your life. You're like, turkey was perfect. Stuffing was sweet and soft. Mashed potatoes, boom. Maybe you're walking with the best experience or maybe you're walking with the opposite. Maybe you had the worst Thanksgiving Things fell apart, relationships, bridges were burned, wherever it is. 
the best way we can respond to God in this moment and this time, I don't believe you're here by accident, is to respond with trust and humility, humbling ourselves at the foot of the cross, at the altar, saying, God, I, I need you. God, I'm gonna trust you no matter my circumstance. I'm gonna trust you no matter the hardship, the, the things that I'm going through that are difficult. I'm going to trust you. So the question is, have you humbled yourself before God? Have you approached God like Mary? I am your servant. May what you're doing in my life happen. I can pray, God, stop it, help me, get me out of here. But Lord, if I'm gonna stay in this muck, this mess, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna believe you. I'm gonna walk with you, just as Mary did. So I'm about to invite you guys to bow your heads, close your eyes in this auditorium. Maybe the, I, know, I believe the Holy Spirit is in speaking to each and every heart in a different way. And we're gonna stand and sing in a moment. Prayer team's gonna come, but we're gonna spend some time responding, trusting God, humbly coming before him. Maybe for the first time or the hundredth time, but let's get to Jesus this morning. Let's get in a, in a posture, in a place where we pursue the presence of God. And so God, for everybody in this morning, in this room, Lord, we know that you're here, God. We know that you chose to be with us. You chose broken. You chose weird curly hair, Darren. God, you chose us in this room, God, to know you, God, to walk with you. And Lord, in every person in this room, no matter what circumstance, no matter what scenario they're walking in the doors with this morning, God, we know that we can walk out of here different. We can walk out of here changed. We can walk out of here holding on to something that is firm and secure. We can be, come to you as your servants. We can trust your promises. And God, this morning, for everyone in this room, God, may we humbly put ourselves into your hands, God. May we trust you with our steps. May we trust you, God, to know that you have a greater plan than the one that we are already baking up in our own minds. God, we need you. God, lead us, Lord, in this time. Lead us in worship. God, lead us to a deeper relationship with you. God, we need you, Lord. In your name, amen.